Welcome back to Kingdom Cast. It's your host, Bad Luck Chuck. We're back at it again with a special episode of Kingdom Cast. We're going to be covering the 2022 NFL Scout Combine. Um, but before we tap into that, I'd like to introduce the guys here. Top left hand corner is my guy, Country. And bottom right hand of the screen is my guy, Boogie. And we're going to bring in our special guest. Uh, he covers the NFL and college football for Sports Talk 2319. Uh, got his own YouTube channel called The Sports Sesh. Um, like to welcome Alex Elijah to this episode. How you doing this evening, my man? I'm doing great. Thank you, fellas, for having me. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Uh, can't wait to talk draft. You know, it's my favorite topic, so can't wait to get on into it. Yeah, definitely, my man. Um, so what do you have currently going on these days as far as um, besides covering, you know, the draft and stuff? Uh, so aside from covering, on? so aside from covering the draft, um, I do a lot of covering of the co uh, college basketball scene as well for Rashad Phillips. We got some stuff coming up for the NBA draft. Um, but other than that, I mean, I go to school still. I'm still, I'm still a 22 year old college kid. That's just what I do. Uh, this is kind of just a part of the dream. It's just like a mini internship to me. Really, you know, it's work, but it's not work because if you love what you do, it's really not work at all. Um, but that's really all I do. I'll be attending uh, San Jose State in the fall, finishing up another two years, and then from there, I'll just hopefully be applying to networks, and we'll see where it goes from there. Shout out, you know, is a good friend of ours, so shout out to him. But yeah, man. Um, but before we get into all, for, before we get into the weekend that just passed with the combine and everything, um, I do want to ask you about about how you cover football. Uh, it's a little different from. <clears throat> Most people are not everybody. Um, so you got this uh, position terminology thing that you came up with for each position. So how did that come about as far as your, uh, tapping into your analysis? So it actually came from a conversation with uh, with Rashad. We were kind of just going over his, his basketball uh, terminology and just the evolution of sports and how everything itself is, is really evolving. And it's true, you know, he gave me a, a quote that's really stuck with me. And he said, evolution spares nobody. And I feel like that's extremely true with the game of football. We've seen it evolve before it used to be this smash mouth brute force, you know, game that we really liked to watch. But now the game is it's a bit more safer. It's a bit more player friendly. So that way we can have a product for a long term rather than having guys that are out early with concussions and stuff like that. So really, the terminology itself just stemmed from, well, it stemmed from Rashad's terminology, of course, but it also goes about labeling players correctly because there's so many wide receivers that are different. There's so many cornerbacks that are different, so many safeties that are different. Everybody fits into different schemes. I just feel like you can't label them just as what their base position is, which is just a cornerback, which is just a safety. Because let's take cornerback, for example. You can have a cornerback, but he can play slot very well and probably not play the outside just as good. So he's probably going to be deemed a slot cornerback, especially if he's 5'11", 6'0". I'm not going to put him on the out against a guy like Mike Evans, who's 6'4", 6'5". That's just the way I looked at it was that players need to be deemed in their correct position and they need to be labeled correctly. So that's what's up. We definitely uh definitely at a time where, you know, the sports are evolving as far as that goes. Uh the game has changed throughout the course of the years. And uh yeah, man, so I'm with you with I'm with you and what Rashad are doing as far as uh basketball football concerned. So yeah, man, let's go and get to it, man. Um over the weekend we seen we seen a few highlights here. We seen like 
Mainly. So something wrong with your mic, bro. There is. Yeah, it's a little staticky, bro. <clears throat> Alright, so give me one second here. So y'all know that team. You oh, still sound like Doc Rivers, bro. You still sound <laughs> Yeah, it's on bad right now. You sound like Doc Rivers, bro. And I was thinking I was gonna put Perkins and then Rondo came to <laughs> Okay, try it. Yeah. Okay, what about now? There That's we go. Better. What That's about now? Better. I thought it was my earphones for a minute. <laughs> All right, cool, man. <laughs> so, glad y'all said something, man. Apologize for that, everybody. All right, so like I was saying, uh, we got the standouts for the weekend. Uh, let's um, let's let's go ahead and cover the wide receivers, man, because like the wide receivers were flying, dude. Like. Like at first, um, we were seeing all these four twos, but then come to find out, uh, somebody's a little early on the stopwatch and everything. But you know, there was a couple of guys that stood out, like those Ohio State wide receivers. Um, you know, you got Gary Wilson and Chris Olave. Um, you also have guys, you also have guys like uh, the sleepers and Christian Watson. That's a guy that's been kind of buzzing here in Chiefs Kingdom. Um, you know, just a few of those guys, man. So Alec, um. Who's that out to you as far as that wide receiver group? In terms of the wide receiver group, um, you kind of hit it on the nail with Christian Watson. He stood out. I really like what Wandale uh, Robinson out of Kentucky was doing. Um, and also Calvin Austin, the third from Memphis. He had that 40 time was sick. Like he had oh, yeah. that. That was an insane 40 yeah. time. I really like what he put together. And a lot of people are, uh, they're looking at Alec Pierce a little bit different now that he's a bigger body. A uh, wide receiver, he had a pretty decent 40 time as well. He did well in the gauntlet. So I know he's rising uh, his stock as well. So, I mean, I know a lot of people too, they fell in love with Velas Jones from Tennessee just based off all of his athleticism that he showed at the Combine. So those are just a couple wide receivers that really impressed me. Um, like you said too, both the Ohio State guys, just blazing speed. We already knew that they were going to come out and have insane 40s. So it was kind of just nice to see what they finally officially clocked at. Yeah. Now, um, now I know in Chiefs Kingdom before uh, we was originally desperate for a wide receiver too, or at least another wide receiver. Uh, but that that's kind of calmed down just a little bit, because um, I mean we're mainly focusing on the defense side of the ball now. I mean it's kind of like um, let's just say we're kind of rebuilding the defense now. So, but um, if we were to if we were to tap into the offense a little bit, I think we might be able to put in. Bringing another receiver. Now, if we were to bring in another receiver, like uh, which guy you think would be the best fit for the team? Uh, scheme wise, I really, really want the Chiefs to look at Georgia's wide receiver, George Pickens. I really like what he offers to the table, especially because I really don't think the Chiefs need anybody that's going to be under six foot two, just because Tyreek's already solidified as the undersized receiver there. We've already seen that he can create separation on his own. He can virtually do, I mean, literally virtually do anything on the football field that a big body wide receiver can anyway. But I feel like having a guy that can really go over the top and get you the football is really going to help you, especially stretching the field. Just because a lot of teams focus on Tyreek Hill and Kels a lot now, you're going to need a receiver that can just really get you those extra five to seven yards um, and potentially first down. So I like George Pickens. Um, in the Chiefs uniform. 
Yeah, I like Pickens. Pickens got a little swagger to him. Pickens got that little swag, that little cockiness that that's pretty good. That that mm-hmm. that we like that that attitude that we need. You know what I'm saying? So I like I like Pickens. <clears throat> Excuse me. Pickens is a huge Pickens is a huge fan favorite here, um, in Chiefs Kingdom. I know a few. I know a few of us been tweeting about him. Um, I like what I saw on film. You know, for the limited time he was at Georgia, um, I wish you know injuries didn't you know hold back his uh, season a bit. But for what I've seen, like I like how physical he was in the run game uh, mainly, but I also like how um, he can get off of jams with DBs and everything. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely could be a field stretch for this team too. So it's a, definitely it's a good a, fit. After after that combine, it looked like it's gonna be a lot of first round wide receivers. Who would you look for later late rounds, like uh third to seventh rounds, like like gems that might be a little bit under the radar, but they, they still um still can be contributors to a team. I think that, that might be the market we have to play in because uh Everybody like killed the combine this week wide receiver wise. So, so I mean, a couple guys that are going to be gems for sure. They're going to be waiting. I mean, one of my personal favorites is going to be Charleston Rambo out of Miami. He's a super, super good vertical deep threat. He's going to be someone that teams are going to sleep on. Romeo Daubs from Nevada, uh, strong uh, wide receiver one, super talented guy. Justin Ross from Clemson as well. A lot of people kind of forgot about him in the college football scene, but he was taking off when Trevor Lawrence was at quarterback. I know the whole ukulele really not giving him the goods there at Clemson did play a role in Justin Ross's draft stock going down. Alec Pierce is another guy, six foot three wide receiver who can really go up and get you the football. So they're going to be some sleepers um, definitely available. Tyquan Thornton from Baylor. I know he's rising his draft stock as well with the 40 time that he put up. So those are going to be some gems as well to go from the third, probably the fifth round. He had the 4.2, right? Was it yes. Was it officially 4.2? It was officially a 4.2. Sheesh. <laughs> That'll yeah, that do it. was flying, man. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. So, um, Chiefs, our, our, our needs right now, I think we're going to be looking at everything that we really need I think it's deep in this draft. So uh, edge, uh, D-line, corners and safeties, um, and wide receiver too. But um, as far as uh, offensively, like any late round running backs or anything that that, that, that kind of interests you a little bit, I know people have been looking from the kid for uh, – what's his name? What's the kid from Missouri that everybody kind of was kind of fixed on because he's kind of local? But that, but D or whatever. Oh, uh, are you talking about Tyler? Yeah, Tyler. Tyler yeah, yeah, Tyler. But he's a good one. Uh, Brees Hall. He re- Brees Hall really impressed me uh, with his combine. I really liked all the numbers that he put together. Um, Zamir White from Georgia. He's going to be one of the guys. I don't know how well. I mean, I've seen Ramondre Stevenson transfer over very well from OU. So I'd like to see Kennedy Brooks because I'm an OU guy. I'd like to see Kennedy Brooks. Um, Translate over very well in the NFL scene. We'll see how that goes. But aside from that, there's not too many running backs that I'm really, really high on. Um, a lot of them will probably go maybe late second, early third. Um, James Cook, Brian Robinson, uh, Jerome Ford from Cincinnati. I really like he's an undersized back. We'll see what he can put together. Uh, but those are just a few to name 
uh, that I'm really looking forward to seeing go in this year's draft. Another, uh, before we get to the defense, another uh, area that, that we might need to look at is uh, right tackle. Did you did you see any right tackles that, that piqued your interest or, or people that rose and fell during the combine? Yeah, actually, for uh, for for the Chiefs, I actually think they should look at uh, Nicholas Petit Fleury out of uh, Ohio State. I think he'd go really well next to Creed Humphrey. I love what Creed was able to do as a rookie. So I think he's gonna be someone to look at. If not, if they're gonna wait a little bit, which I'm perfectly fine with, because there are some guys that are really really talented. Guys like. Uh, veteran Lowe out of Illinois, guys like Dare Rosenthal out of Kentucky, Kellen Deesh out of Arizona State. These are all guys with super mean streaks, and that's what this that's what this draft features. They feature a lot of mean-spirited offensive tackles and guards, which the NFL is really lacking. A lot of these guys don't want to be friends with the defense. A lot of these guys are just here to bust you in the mouth and go to work, which I really like when you're in the trenches because the trenches really is it, – it's a war zone, truthfully. Yeah, we definitely. Yeah, you definitely um, some chances to win. I, I like Niang. I think that um, we we got to get him to have a consistent season. He's starting to get that injury prone tag. Like he came in injured, he had a couple of good starts, and then he got injured again. And then he came put it. It looked like it was coming, but he got injured again. And I think we're gonna need some more consistency at that position. At least a, a competition guy to come in fight it out, you know, because still sharp and still. But if we can add another guy with attitude to be on that right side with Trey Smith or, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying, that that will really solidify that line for the next four or five years, ten years or wherever, as long as Mahomes – to keep Mahomes safe. Because on the off offensive side, I don't think we have too many holes. I think uh, second wide receiver, maybe another tight end, Mostly depth guys, mostly. Yeah. Um. So, but the right tackle might be a starter, depending on how Niang comes back off uh, another bad injury with his leg. So, um, yeah, I was just interested in the right tackles because I think I think we're gonna need some depth along the line to solidify that line. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a depth piece in that area. Um. I just feel like Niang just got to the league. Yes, he has had unfortunate luck with injuries, but I think I think we need to at least give him another year, man, just to prove himself that he can be a little more reliable. But I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind adding another depth piece in that area. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I want to get to the DB room, man, because um, it's looking like our DB room is gonna need some work, man. Uh, we got questions about whether the tyrant is coming back or not. Um, Tavares Ward, he's a free agent. Uh, we don't know if we're going to bring him back or not. So um, there's a couple of DBs I saw that I really like. Um, I may even want to start with the safeties. Um, you know, uh, Cena from uh, Georgia, he's my number one. Um, I don't know where they got him projected, but he put on the show in the combine. Um, you know, he's fast. He showed uh, great agility, ability to break on the ball and everything. Um, this guy, Daxton Hill, he's been the most popular name recently in Chiefs Kingdom. Um, and then there's more. Um, what's the, what's the kid? Anderson, he's gonna be gone. What's the kid? Uh, Petrie. His, his name start with a or his yeah, last Jaylen, name. Jalen yeah, Petrie out of Baylor. Yeah, yeah I've been hearing his name a lot too. 
So guys, guys like that. So I mean, what do you think? What do you think about um, safety wise? If time and word not to come back in the Chiefs were to go that route in the draft, as far as finding a replacement. If uh, if Tyron doesn't come back, I think Lewis Sign would be an, an interesting replacement out of Georgia. That's the guy that that you were referring to. I think he'd be an interesting, yeah. in, interesting uh, replacement. I don't think uh, Risker is gonna be there. I don't think Daxton Hill is gonna be there for the Chiefs. Uh, just because, um, like I said last year, last year's draft was very heavily offensively oriented. This draft is going to be very, very heavy when it comes to DBs, especially corners, especially safeties. A lot of teams are going to be in the need. Um, one guy that I really, I actually think would be spooky for the Chiefs to take a look at is uh, Verone McKinley the third out of Oregon. He's a versatile safety. He can play both the free and the strong and he can also come down and play linebacker, which I know Tyran loves to do. So you'd already be fitting in a guy that goes very, very well with the scheme that's already laid out in Kansas. I think he'd be someone, especially that they can get late. They don't have to worry about reaching for him early or anything like that, just because a lot of teams are sleeping on him. He's one of my biggest sleepers in this year's draft. He didn't wow anybody in the combine. He still put together very, very generally good numbers, enough to get himself looked at. So I think Verone could be a guy that maybe the Chiefs definitely take a look at. Brian Cook from uh, Cincinnati, also a very, very physical safety, um, if that's what they're looking for. But if they're looking for a guy that can really do a little bit of both, sign's going to be an interesting look, and so is Verone McKinley. Alan, Cotto, you didn't say Kansas, did you? You didn't call us Kansas, did you? Respectfully. I don't want them to get you. I, I got to look out for you. Is it Kansas City? My bad. My fault. My you fault, y'all. You good? I, I'm looking out for you, man. Look, <laughs> look I want to ask you about Roger McCrary, big corner. I, I like Tim. How do you see him fitting with the Chiefs and Spag system? Uh, Roger McCrary, I honestly think he's probably the only other corner aside from Mod Sauce Gardner in this draft class for me that can fit in any defensive scheme. There isn't any really hold on him he can play the inside and the out um he's six foot he's still got very very lengthy arms and he knows how to use them he can get physical at the line he's got jamming abilities although they're not there the full way kind of like with Derek Stingley he still has the ability to get in your wide receiver's face and disrupt their route I would like to see him um in a Chiefs uniform that definitely would be scary as well I don't know just how high He's going to go in the draft, so I don't know if he's going to be available for Kansas City just because a lot of people are going to look at him a little bit differently because he had a very high uh, 40 as well. But like I said, he's one of those guys that can fit into any scheme. I don't see him having any problem whatsoever fitting into the Kansas City scheme. Speaking of uh, Stingley uh, from LSU, I heard rumors that he, he might drop. I don't know why uh, injury concerns or something like that. Is, that, is there any truth to that, or is there so, just a smoke screen? So Stingley, Stingley is one of these rare cases. Um, he actually dropped for me. He was ahead of Ahmad Sauce Gardner his rookie year when it comes to this draft class right here. But after oh, – after his uh, rookie year, I'm sorry, his freshman year. But after his freshman year, you don't really have a whole lot of tape on Derek Stingley. And that, to me, is what really – that's the first indicator that's going to drop drop your draft stock. Um, to me, you have to have two solid years of college tape. You know, a lot of people ask, well, why don't college players 
do this one and done thing. You really do need two years of solid tape at least to get noticed. Derek Stingley, however, respectfully had one of the greatest freshman seasons I've seen. He gets a lot of hype as well from being on that national um, college winning team. But injuries are going to play a part. I don't think he's super injury prone like, you know, some of these articles are coming out and saying he did have a couple of issues while at LSU, but I'm pretty sure they're all taken care of now, especially since he opted out of the remainder of the last season. So I would hope that he's 100% healthy now. I'm not too sure what the whole thing about him not testing at the combine was about. I know that kind of hurts his draft stock as well. I've seen it hurt at least quarterbacks by not testing at the combine. Um, but we're going to see what he does at his pro day. That's probably going to be the only way for him to really help his stock at this point, just because after all, some of these cornerbacks are putting up 4-3, 4-4 speeds. Derek's thing definitely going to have to put something together at his pro day if he wants to keep his draft stock exactly where he is. Hey, what do you think about Kay Elam from Florida? <laughs> I'm not high on Kyra at all. I'm, I personally, he doesn't move the needle for me. I mean, I've watched the tape. I, I always give cornerbacks the benefit of the doubt. I'll give you three tapes. And then I'll watch at least six, a minimum six year games. Kyra just does not move the needle for me. I feel like at the next level, he's gonna be one of those guys that just pans out in this draft class, um, gets his rookie contract and doesn't get that second one. That sounds a little bit harsh, but I just he doesn't have that in factor to me. Mm. Um, he did have an impressive 40 for the combine, but other than that, the drills weren't they weren't moving the needle at all. Hey, hey, we mentioned 40 times a lot, and uh, we used to mention bench pressing a lot, but what do you really – what does a good 40 time add to what you already watched? Like, I know you go into the draft. Say you go into the draft <clears throat> or you go into the combine saying, Sauce is my number one guy, and and then all of a sudden this guy drops a 4-2-40. Does that automatically move him? Do you have to see it on the film as well? Because there's a difference between running fast in a 40 and being fast on film. Do you, I mean, you agree with that or am I uh, sure? I, I definitely agree. There is a, a huge difference. Um, I've said this before. The combine, to me, will solidify what you see on tape. I feel like tape is always going to be what you need to watch first in order to really get a feel and a look for the player. And once the combine comes around, whatever hypothesis you have on the player, that's going to confirm whether you're right or wrong. Now, there are going to be some instances where you're going to say a player may come out with some blazing speed and he comes out and drops a four or five. That's perfectly okay because when it comes to game time situations, some players just happen to find this extra gear and just have this acceleration in them that they're going to go make that tackle or that catch for you. So like I said, 40 times bench presses and stuff like that. Anything that has to do with the combine really just solidifies what you see on tape with a player. Yeah. Also, um, a lot of people – go ahead. I was going to say a lot of people are declining certain events in the combine. Uh, do, are you starting to – are we starting to value pro days more than the actual combine? Uh, that That's really an interesting one. I kind of – I really don't like that some players, especially when you're on the defense, I don't like that you're declining drills that have to do with physicality because we want to see how physical you can be. Now, I understand if you're a wide receiver and you're like, I don't want to bench press. That is completely fine to me. 
You are going to get your workouts in with your team, with your trainer. You're going to get your workouts in on your own time. At least I hope you are. At the combine, that's completely fine. If you're a wide receiver, I'm there to see your legs. I'm there to see your hands. I'm there to see if you can catch the ball, your IQ, and all that good stuff. When it comes to, like, defensive portions, I know there's guys like – or even on the offensive line, there's guys like Marvin Leal. There's guys like – ah couple offensive linemen that just didn't want to bench press whatsoever, that hurts your draft stock to me. Because to me, that shows that you're not trying to be competitive whatsoever against some of the other competition. It shows that you're not trying to be physical at the combine. Yes, we can value your pro day because that's what you're going to do amongst your own team. But that you're very, you're more comfortable at your pro day. We need to see at the combine that you can perform under the bright lights, under where all these eyes are watching you, where all these people are evaluating you on just how good you really are at this specific skill set. Yeah, um, what I was about to ask you was this. Um, I know I know people use this, um, use this uh, let's say, website or Twitter account, uh, Math Bomb. You know, Math Bomb is uh, pretty good with, you know, uh, the grading system as far as, like, the numbers, as far as, like, I guess, um, height and weight for like certain positions in the vertical and broad jump and all that stuff. But um, do sometimes people um, take that into account too much? Do they put too much stock into those type of metrics? Because I've seen in the past, there's been like a few exceptions, like Nick Bolton uh, just this past year. Uh, he didn't grade well under this system, but the film, what we saw on film, and, and, and it translated to our team, and he actually had a good rookie season. And there's a, also a guy in uh, Darius Linder. He didn't grade well. He didn't test well in the combine as well. But he's, like, one of the best linebackers in the league. So do people put too much stock into these metrics at times? Do, do, do people just need to watch the film with some of these guys? That's – um. I, I feel like that's just where football is, is at now, thanks to sites like PFF and stuff like that. Everybody's going to take a look at these metrics and take a look at these big numbers. To me, really, the only numbers that matter is – your tackles, your interceptions, your catches, your touchdowns, the basic numbers. If you're going to be looking at, you know, well, this is how many yards this guy get, gets you on a hitch route with single man coverage, like just watch the tape at that point. Like you're, you're better off just watching the tape on how well a guy does versus single coverage. You're not going to look at a basic number. I do feel like numbers, they are beneficial at times because, like I said, they can confirm what you've seen on tape. But like you said, there are people that just take – they take them way too much to heart. Like they're, I, I like to call them stat nerds. These stat nerds just love what they see on the sheet. They love what they see on the paper, and they'll run with it. I mean, that's really – it's not even just for football anymore. Like like we've seen, it's for basketball. It's for – baseball is probably one of the – I think baseball is probably the sport that really introduced all these metrics to the NBA, to the NFL – I haven't really seen too much of it in soccer just because I'm not too heavily soccer involved, but I know hockey's taking this whole thing with it as well. It's It'll be interesting to see, but I do think that sometimes the numbers people do need to ease up on um, and just go ahead and watch the film. Stats law, man. You can find a stat to go with any direction of any argument. It, it's, analytics is crazy now. Yeah, that, that's how I feel about it, man. Um, I just think that you don't need like equations to figure out um, situational football, and I and it's and it's clear as evident. Like I still watch, I like watching NFL still and everything, but situational football is taking a hit, man. Like 
like especially in the Super Bowl. Like Super Bowl, I just seen a lot of questionable stuff, and it's just like, okay, why are you not running the ball here? Why is this guy yep. not in the game in this situation? Just stuff like that. So yeah, but let's go ahead and get to the standouts, man. Um, I want to talk about uh, Jordan Davis mainly. Jordan Davis to me, he was the main standout of this uh, scout combine. Um. He uh, put up one of the best scouting combine performances we've seen in a, in a long time. Um, just the stuff I see, man, like the stuff he was doing that the stuff he's doing at 341 pounds is ridiculous. Like, yes, you out here running a 4.7 and <laughs> that's just that's just alien type stuff, man. Yes. So does, do you think Jordan Davis can turn to the next special interior lineman no matter where he goes? I think Jordan Davis is going to be very, very special at the next level. I mean, if we just take a look at his numbers real quick, you already mentioned his 40 time, 4.7, 10-foot, 3-inch broad jump. And his 10-yard split for a man that's 340 pounds was 1.68. That's absolutely impressive. That's very close to Kayvon Thibodeau's time, which a lot of people aren't even taking a look at. Now, this is one of those – Jordan Davis is one of those people where a lot of people are looking at what they see on the stat sheet and not paying attention to the film because right. although they've seen all these tremendous numbers, I don't know where this whole – well, let's look at his snap count and how many snaps he's played. That's not his fault that Georgia was blowing teams out by the third quarter. I personally feel that there should be coaches that are raving at the fact that he didn't play that many snaps in college. For his body to be this preserved and be a trench player, be a defensive lineman that lines up with centers, they should be loving the fact that his body is in this condition and he's able to do these things that you said are alien-like. Like He literally has the second-best combine grade after Calvin Johnson. That's To me, that speaks levels for a man that's 340 pounds. Yeah, that's supposed to Did he make the most money this weekend? Who, who jumped the most uh, and solidified their film at the same time, in your opinion? Uh, Jordan Davis and Desmond Ritter. Yeah, people had a lot of questions about Desmond Ritter um heading into this combine like people there was people that was kind of iffy on him um he had a, he definitely had a decent college year but there's a lot of people that wasn't exactly like impressed for what he what he put out there but uh that's answer it's, it's gonna be interesting to see where he lands honestly he's kind of a mystery in this draft who, class who's the quarterback with the small hands which which one which guy was that can you pick it out of uh pittsburgh he measured yeah. his, at 8.5 inch hands yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that might be that's small. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex, is there any chance Jermaine Johnson drops to us? Oof, not after that combine he just had. After that yeah. combine he just had, I honestly look. That's been one of my favorite players. Everybody knows him from Last Chance U, and you know a lot of people are even surprised that that's him. I'm like, how did you not follow his? I, I personally followed his career. After independence, I wanted to see what he did. He was at Georgia, was a rotational guy, didn't find his fit there, went to Florida State. Now he's reigning ACC uh, Defensive Player of the Year. 
What he did at the combine, 40-yard dash was a 4-5. 10-yard split was a 1.55. That's faster than Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau. And he measured with a wingspan of 82 inches. There's no way he falls outside of maybe the top 30 picks at all. And I wanted that kid, yeah, he, too, he's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, we know why, too. He's for Florida State. But, nah, the kid, the kid I like Jermaine Johnson, though. He's Jermaine a grinder. Johnson, he's like, he, he is truthfully, he's truthfully a grinder. 6'5", 254. You, it doesn't get any better, really. He's a beast. So, right, so do, do we I, wrap I up on the safeties? Because I want, I want, because I think we're going to need uh, maybe replacing Matthew, maybe, or definitely replacing Sorensen. Um, we need a guy to pair out there, or or two guys to match out there with Juan Thornhill, or we can keep him deep. We need a guy that could. We need a couple guys. <laughs> like we definitely need the double dip. We might need to double dip on safety and cornerbacks. You know, is there is there is the is the depth so large that at thirty we can afford to trade down and maybe pick up another top fifty pick? Oh yes, this this is definitely a deep class for cornerback and safety. This is a very talented class as well. I mean, we've already seen the forty times everybody's ranted and raved about this defensive back class. There's a lot of safeties and a lot of cornerbacks enough for teams to go ahead and grab. Even if you, they didn't want to trade picks, you can go ahead and still double dip. Guys like Smoke Monday are going to be there. Guys like Nick Grant. Marquise Bell from Florida A&M. That's going to be a guy who I'm really excited to see where he goes. Quentin Lake, uh, Colby Harvin Pill. A lot of guys that are just going to be there um, still in the later rounds. Um, there's not going to be a lot of teams that are going to be looking for safeties in this draft, but still – there's a lot of talented safeties to be drafted. Okay, so am I crazy? Because I just want to draft Smoke Monday purely off his name. I don't. I don't even know what he did. I don't even know what he ran this weekend. <laughs> I just want a kid named Smoke Monday, bro. No, yeah. that no, is he... like one of the best football names of all time. Smoke Monday. That's so. That's so amazing. Him and Storm Duck, they had like the freshest names for sure. And, oh, and uh, what, what what's that boy's name? Um, Kool Aid Kool Aid McKinstry. Him too. His name is what? Oh, yeah, that's that's a wild. Kool Aid McKinstry. Name. He's a wide receiver out of uh, I think it's Bama. His name is Kool Aid. Cool. Well, that's not his real name, but yeah, that's what they Kool-Aid that's what they real. call him though. Like they legit but... they legit call him that on college football broadcast. Kool Aid McKinstry. Man, I ain't even heard of the dude named Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah, I'm down with that. This dude RJ. This dude RJ funny, man. We talk about smoke so money he, so you can get smoked. Come on. This dude <laughs> RJ be hating. RJ be hating on this <laughs> But nah, uh Smoke Monday is a that's come on, bro. That's just an amazing name. No, he's talented too. Like he's a talented player. Yeah. RJ hating, he hating. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> yeah, so uh, were there any tight ends that impressed this weekend? Uh, the UCLA tight end. Ask him about Smoke Monday real quick. So, oh, okay, go ahead, bro. I'm uh, my bad. Now I was gonna ask him about Smoke Monday. So, what do you think about about him as a player overall? Uh, overall, as a player, I had I I had him in my top ten safeties for sure. He put on 
he's a very, very physical safety. Like if teams want somebody that's going to go out and give you, you know, smack you in the mouth football and do it the right way. Cause he's not a safety that was heavily flagged. He's not one of those guys that went out and did made stupid plays. He's one of those guys that has a high IQ and he's got tremendous upside on special teams as well, which I feel rises his stock. He was a very, very good gunner while, uh, while his time at Auburn, I really liked the tapes that he put together too, especially against Alabama. That was probably some of the best tape. Him and McCreary had one of their best games against Alabama this past season, especially because Bama had Mechie and Williams at the time. So there was literally zero excuse for mm-hmm. Alabama. Um, I think Smoke Monday is going to be one of those guys that mm-hmm. can definitely be there for the Chiefs if they want to target him. Uh, I know we got history with Washington cornerbacks. It probably didn't work out as well last time. Uh, what's the kid from Washington, McDuffie? Trent McDuffie. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you think about him? Yeah, yeah. I think I think he's a very good corner. Unfortunately, I really would not put him on the outside whatsoever. So for teams that are going to be looking for purely a slot cornerback, he's going to be the guy that teams are going to want to look for first. He's listed at five eleven, maybe maximum six foot. Um, but he's going to be one of those guys that you purely want to stick at the slot position. He's very very handsy. And I really like that he's not afraid to jam up your fastest wide receiver, especially if, you know, if the Chiefs draft a guy like this and he goes to practice against Tyreek Hill every single day, his skill set is only going to get better. He put up a tremendous tape at Washington. I really liked what he did. He's effective in zone coverage and in the run. He's really best. I love him at the slot, too, because he's he gives his best football when he's closest to the line of scrimmage where he can disrupt the run. So I feel teams that are ready to draft purely a slot corner, Trent McDuffie is definitely going to be the guy that you want to look at. Hey, we haven't talked about nose tackles yet. What do you think about Mathis? And what do you think Chiefs could do late second round, late third round on the D-line? Besides pass, besides edge rush. Uh, I think Mathis will definitely be there. He's one of those guys. He's a very flexible defensive lineman. Um, if Mathis isn't a guy that they want to target, I really like Otito Ogbunia, um out of UCLA. I watch a lot of UCLA just because I'm here in California, so I see a lot of Pac-12 film. Um, Ogbunia is one of those guys. He really impressed me. Another guy that a lot of people really are not talking about, and I'm actually surprised, is uh, Matthew Butler out of Tennessee. He's a really, really mean-spirited defensive lineman. I really like what he brings to the table. And, I mean, if the Chiefs want to take a defensive lineman early, I wouldn't mind seeing them grab Perrion Winfrey, although I know he's increased his draft stock this past weekend. He still might be one of those guys that's available just because um, teams are going to be looking at Jordan Davis, DeMarvin Leal, uh, Devontae Wyatt from Georgia, who literally increased his draft stock immensely at the Combine. Um, So I think Mathis is going to be one of those guys, like I said, Mathis, um, or Butler, I feel it would be a great fit uh, for Kansas City. Hey, Chuck, did we discuss that guy we was talking about pre-show from Notre Dame? The, uh, what's the kid? Uh, Hamilton? You talking about Kyle Hamilton? Yeah. He won't make yeah. it to us, will he? No. Okay. Never mind. That's why I didn't ask I'm about, about say, Sauce, because like, I already knew Sauce is not making it. Unless you get caught with a bag uh, dude, or something gotta, that he's supposed to have. <laughs> right. We got to trade up. We got to trade up for them cats, man. 
Um, uh, and man. yeah, and if we do trade up, I don't know if it'll be good enough. But but yeah, um, I want to talk about edge rushes too, man, because that's one thing that definitely needs to be addressed. Uh, pass rush was a little bit disappointing. Um, in some instances, uh, we had some games where we looked good, and some games we didn't. I think we were just a little bit inconsistent. Um, as far as edge rushers, um. Who would be the top S rushers you think that could fit well? Um, I know we mentioned Jermaine Johnson. He's not going to be there. Um, we mentioned we didn't mention David Ajabo from Michigan. Uh, I mean, what's his stock like currently as far as where he projects? His stock is high. He he also improved his stock at the Combine as well. I To me, Ojabo and Jermaine Johnson improved their stock the most out of all the defensive ends at the combine. I think Aiden Hutchinson's stock actually decreased at the combine just because I've seen a couple of his drills and they just look very shaky and very stiff. So I know a lot of scouts are going to look at that and they're going to worry. He's very physical when it comes to the trench play, but when it came to his cone and his 10 second split, he just looked too stiff um, to be moving around the field a whole lot, which there's nothing wrong with that because if you're at defensive end, he's one of those guys that mainly Power rushes the QB running back anyway. I don't see Hutchinson dropping back in coverage a whole lot regardless. Um, but still, it'll be interesting to see. Guys for the Chiefs that I really like, that I feel are going to be available. Um, I really like, I wanted them to look at my Jay Sanders from Cincinnati. I'm not too sure what happened at the Combine. I unfortunately didn't get to watch a whole lot of the, the big boys at the Combine. But from what I read, he showed up to the combine. I believe it was at 238 pounds. Um, that really, it, it alarms me. I've been told that he was sick. So I'm a little bit worried as to what he was sick with and what health oh, concerns wow. he's going to be bringing to the table. He, he's listed at six foot five, 255 pounds originally. But at the combine, he did measure in at six foot five, 238 pounds. So that right away is going to alarm teams. I really wanted them to look at my J. I like Nick Benito out of OU for Kansas City. And I also like Drake Jackson from USC um, for Kansas City. Those are three guys that I feel can get very, very physical, very fast. Um, and they won't need a whole lot of fixing up. What about Trayvon Walker? I'm not sure if he fits the system, but I liked what I saw. Uh, yeah, Trayvon Walker, he's another guy. I mean, really anybody coming from that Georgia defense is going to be a stud, to be completely honest with you. That was probably one of the most special defenses that I've had the pleasure of watching in college football. Almost everybody – I mean, they stole the show at the Combine. Literally every single Georgia prospect there tested positive, tested well. They made their school look very well. Ideally, Walker's one of those guys, too, that a lot of people are saying he's versatile, so he fits into a lot of schemes. Um I've only seen a, maybe a couple of tapes on uh, Walker. So, for I mean, from what I've seen, he can fit into many different schemes, the three-tech, the five-tech. So I feel like, you know, he can be a fit as well uh, for Kansas City. He's definitely going to be a guy that's there as well. I don't see him going very, very early. Um, like I said, I think Ojabo goes above him. Um, Carl Loftus, I know, is dropping down draft boards as well. We'll have to see what happens with his stock exactly because he was very high. At the um, towards the end of the college football season, I think he was the third defensive end ranked, and I think now he's like the sixth or seventh. So we'll definitely just have to see where some of those guys go. Because if Carl Loftus drops and he's available for Kansas City to pick up, that's a serious talent for them to go ahead and grab. Usually in the draft. Yeah, what about? Okay, go ahead. 
You got me. I was about to say, what about uh Logan Logan Hall from Houston? He's he is the tallest defensive end um in the draft, which a lot of people like. He's a full six six. I know there were some players that were listed at like six four, six five that really came in and measured at like six two, six three. But he's one of those guys that measured at his full statistics. I really like him because he's a five technique. He doesn't use any type of three technique whatsoever. He's a complete bull rusher. He likes to get physical as well. He's not going to sit there and be your friend. He's, you know, him and Perrion Winfrey are probably some of the only defensive linemen I heard this week say, I'm not giving any credit to any offensive lineman ever, which you have to like when it's, when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, you want guys that are mean spirited and are ready to just go to work and go to war in the trenches. And Spags likes those tall defensive ends too. So, and 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 he's also one of those guys that fits into any scheme. You can throw him. Like I said, he's one of those five technique guys. So, like I said, he can go anywhere when it comes to the defensive line. So, so usually when you're sitting at the end of the draft, you're you're hoping for, in our case, it's usually quarterbacks. You're hoping for a run on quarterbacks to push the skill guys to push the defensive guys down. Do you think who do you think is gonna be that run? Is it gonna be offensive line guys or is it gonna be it sounds like it's gonna be a lot of wide receivers this year in that first round? Who do who do you think starts that run of five wide receivers just come off the board? Or does you do you think that starts later on in the draft or I think it's gonna be cornerbacks. I think there's gonna be a lot of cornerbacks. That's not what we wanted to hear, Alex. <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of cornerbacks that go off the board. There's gonna there's that after what I've seen last season, there's a lot of teams that are gonna be trying to improve their cornerback room. Um wide receivers could be one of them, but this this class is just too talented when it comes to defensive backs that I think a lot of them are gonna fly off the board very, very fast compared to the linemen that we've seen in previous draft classes. Okay, so who what team is every year never fails? Some team makes a decision that everybody questions. Who's going to be that team this year? It's usually Jacksonville, but they can't get it wrong this high. To dra- they really can't. They come on, bud. Give <laughs> they can't. They can't mess it up like this. Well, they can. I ain't gonna lie. They can. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. I genuinely think. This year's bonehead draft pick is going to come from the Cowboys. I do think that they're going to go ahead and re-sign. <laughs> they're going to re-sign the safety that they have now, uh, the Dazi Kazi. They're going to re-sign him, which they shouldn't do because there's so many safeties that they can go ahead and take now. They're going to wait till like the sixth or seventh to draft the safety when they can just get one in the first. They can literally get a guy like Daxton Hill. They can get a guy like. Jaquan Brisker. There's guys that can turn their defense around, and I think they're going to go ahead and make it a bonehead play. If not, I mean, the Raiders never surprise me every year. They never shock me when it comes to some of their draft picks. I mean, let's be honest here. We, we, we've seen some of we've seen some of their draft picks over the years. They haven't panned out. Whether it's legal issues, whether it's on field issues, I just they're one of those teams too that you have to look out for and just hope. I mean, we'll see what the Eagles do. They have three picks. You would think that because they have three picks, they can't go wrong. It's Philadelphia. Definitely could go wrong. New England, I mean, I'm a Patriots fan. 
I really want a wide receiver, probably going to end up with a linebacker anyway. So, I mean, I'm going to be a little bit pissed yeah. off at that. So we'll have to see what just happens there. If they're going to bring me a guy like N'Kobe Dean, though, I might be a little bit satisfied, but I'd still rather have the Jamison Williams, Garrett Wilson, maybe Chris Olave wide receiver for Magdalene. Hey, who do you think is a player that should be a first-round pick, but whether it's off the field concerns, injuries, whatever it is, will go in the second round and will be just as good as a first-round pick rookie year? I think David Bell, the wide receiver out of Purdue, can literally line up with any single one of these wide receivers in this draft class. I've been watching him for about two years now. I really like what he brings to the table. He didn't have the most impressive combine I've actually seen his name when it comes to combine losers a whole lot this past weekend, which really, really discouraged me because I've been high on him, um, especially this past college football season. But I think his on-field production will translate very well at the next level, especially if he can land with the right team. Because as we all know, it's all about fit. It's all about where you go and just how much you can get the football in your hands. Yeah, um, our good friend Mark Gunnels, um, he came, he was on here before. He was very high on David Bell. He was mm -hmm. thinking, like, you know, that would be an option for the Chiefs if they were to go that route in the second round or something like that. Um, but, yeah, David Bell, I think he's one of those guys where you just got to look at the film, man. Just don't even worry about what he did at the combine. I think the film stands out way more than what he did mm -hmm. at the combine. So I like how you mentioned him. Yeah, don't don't go all Al Davis and get caught up in the forty time, and then you start drafting a wide receiver that's gonna drink his way out of the league in four years. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that might have been a little too harsh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely harsh. I'm sorry. The wide receiver <laughs> and the cornerback, and they don't got either of them now. Oh, uh, Oh man. Tough. So. So. What was what was the most exciting? What was the what was the draft that got you? Like, man, I, I want to work. I want to do that. I want to start researching and and building around that. I want to work in that field. What draft got you super excited? Like, this is what I want to do. Uh, to be honest with you, there wasn't really a specific draft that got me into this. I mean, I started doing this with Rashad. I started on the basketball scene, but I've been around football way more in my life. I understand the game a lot better than I do basketball. And naturally, like, I just, I, I love what I can watch on film. I love seeing a player that I can give a little bit of spotlight to. Um, I just like finding these gems. And I mean, just like any other scout analyst or whatever, I like being right. Like, I like finding a player and I like saying, you know, I found him before a lot of you did. And Here's what I said about him, and I was right about him. Okay, so I got to get this question off. And this, mm -hmm. okay, we we got Brett Beach. He's a good. He's aggressive. He usually trades the first round pick. Um, he made a draft pick that everybody in our fan base hates. I think last year he had a. I think the last two years he's been having better drafts. How many drafts does a does a GM have to have to move on from that bad pick? He picked Breland Speaks. Everybody in the fan base hates it, hates that pick. They never liked it. They never wanted him. 
Last year, he, he put together an incredible draft. The year before that, it was a, a, a very good draft, I think. How many more good drafts to very good drafts does he have to have to move on from that horrendous first-round pick? Now you're asking a New England fan about good drafts. I ain't never <laughs> seen a good draft in my fan base ever. You're asking, you're asking me? Like, dude. Now, real, real, real talk, though, real talk, though, I think you should have at least three good drafts before. And I'm talking, like, you got to have at least three solid picks that panned out very, very well on your team. Not practice squad players, not these guys that were just amazing special teams players. Like, I'm talking they have to put up legitimate stats and make a legitimate impact on your team in order for them to forget about that. Okay. I agree. So, so you think – I think in the first round, you need a, 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 a starter, a surefire starter, a button superstar. Second round, a starter, a quality guy. Third round, he has to be a contributor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fourth through seven, crap shit. Gems. You know what I'm saying? If you get anything from four through seven, it's gravy on top. Do you, do you agree with that? I do agree. I I do agree. I believe the fourth, maybe fifth through seventh, um, you're solely looking for gems that can truly impact your team. Guys that scouts need to be not looking for and guys that are just bringing these traits and natural athleticism to the table that can make an immediate impact on your team, whether it's special teams, whether it's being a rotational guy, even adding depth. Like there's just some positions that you just cannot have enough of really. So, so what do you think made you you agree last year Brett Beach had a, a great draft? I think he had a, he had an excellent draft. I think could have got some other guys, but I think he had a good draft. I think back to back. I mean, I liked back to back years. I really liked the Bolton pick as well. I was very very high on Nick. I felt like I was one of the only people too that had Nick in my top five linebackers. I loved what I seen on film. He can produce on literally in zone coverage and on the run. So a lot of people slept on him, and when I seen the Chiefs grab him, I was a little discouraged. Like, I was like, damn. I was like, no way. I was like, he just went that fast? Because I was like, New England, we can get a sleeper. We can get him in the fifth. <laughs> I was like, we can wait. But they stuck him off. I, I really like what they're putting together. This year, if they can get a talented wide receiver this year, like, honestly, all they have to do is get – if they can get a wide receiver too that – contributes immediately next to Tyree Kill and Travis Kells, I think that's a good draft. This specific yeah. podcast right here was all on the Nick Bolton bandwagon while everybody else was like, oh, what are they doing? Oh, Nick Bolton, he, he's too no, slow. No, he can play. Five, like, he has the tape. Like, dude. Uh, our very first guest was right. Sean Smith. And on that very first show, he, he mentioned Nick Bolton. So... We gotta get Sean back on. I gotta call Sean. <laughs> See who who's yeah, his sleeper this year. So New England, you you guys do have bad drafts, man. Y'all got a lot of picks. Y'all 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 don't draft picks. <laughs> no, at all. Patriots don't draft good. No. no. <laughs> what do you Patriots think about get like Mac one Jones? guy, and then that's pretty much it. What What do you think about Mac Jones? What would you do? To surround Mac Jones and make him because I think he's Mac Jones is pretty good. He's not he's on that second tier, I think, like mid tier. 
what would you do? What would you surround him with to make him better outside of you said wide receiver? But I was a hater at first. I'm not even gonna lie to you. When we got <laughs> Mac Jones, I was pissed. Like I seen every like I seen Lance go. I was pissed. I seen and then when the Bears traded up, I was like, this is gonna hurt right here. Drafted Justin Fields. I was like. I, and I knew it too. Everybody was. Everybody told me three weeks ahead. They were like, "You're gonna end up with Mac Jones. You're gonna end up with Mac Jones." And I tried to manifest it. I was like, "No, we're not. No, we're not getting Mac Jones. They're not bringing me Captain Mac, Easy Mac. I'm good." <laughs> Unfortunately, that's who I got. And after three games, I I was content with the pick. He's he's put together, you know, a, a solid rookie season with virtually no weapons, really. I mean, he has guys that can put, you know, string together plays and drives, but he doesn't have any it factors whatsoever. There's no it factor on that offense. Um, Our running back two out for damn near the entire season. So that also hurt not having James White. But, I mean, really the only thing New England can do to boost this offense is get a wide receiver. I don't think there's any way around it. The tight ends are already there. I like what we have. But if we don't have a wide receiver one, like the guys that we have are perfect wide receiver twos, wide receiver threes. We do not have that it factor. We don't have a wide receiver one. And that's solely what Mac Jones is missing. Because let's face it, that's what he had. He was spoiled at Alabama. He had an arsenal of wide receiver ones playing wide receiver one, wide receiver two, and wide receiver three. All right. Yeah, I think that's our problem yeah, too. We I got know. we got a we definitely got a one, and then we got a three and another four and you know yeah that, that second guy we don't we don't have him yet so i think we kind of in the same boat with that y'all need a one though yeah i definitely need a one you think belichick is take a one no uh, unfortunately i really think I'm, <laughs> I'm ending up with a linebacker i'm gonna end up with a christian harris and the kobe dean um player i'm hoping you know maybe we make a run for somebody in the off season we'll see i know Everybody said that we were the second closest to getting Odell in the whole little uh, train for Odell thing. That one kind of hurt because I was on the let's get Odell train. I've been on that train for two years. Um, just didn't happen. So we'll have to see what Belichick comes together. If he if he does, for whatever reason, he does draft a wide receiver in the first round, I will be completely shocked. Like, I, I'm already like, I've said it months ago, like, I really want Jamison Williams for the New England Patriots, I want Mac Jones to have an Alabama guy, somebody that he has at least a little bit of comfortability with. If not, I'll take Mechie the third. I like his production value as well. But I've just become accustomed to ending up with a, a defensive player in the first round. Regardless of who is on the board, Belichick is going to do whatever Belichick feels is best for the team. I'm surprised y'all saying the Patriots can't draft, and I'm a Chiefs fan. I don't understand that. I think Patriots draft better than the Chiefs, but I guess that's just my opinion. No. Eh. Eh. I think some of it might be uh, – I think some of it's just that the Patriots got a good coaching staff. I think I think that's part of it. Um, they can cover up some of those holes. But – yeah, Alec, uh, as far as wide receivers goes, man, y'all haven't really done well in that category at all as far as draft-wise. Uh, y'all drafted guys like Malcolm Mitchell, for example. Uh, Nikhil Harry. He, I think he only played, like, one year. Yeah, Nikhil Harry. Uh, I don't want to talk about Nikhil Harry. So, like, I, I, I think I, the only receiver y'all really hit on. I don't want to talk about Nikhil Harry, man. <laughs> y'all hit on Edelman. 
Now, Edelman's not even a receiver. Yeah, that's the crazy Edelman, thing. Really Edelman it. wasn't even a – they drafted I'm, – I'm, <laughs> I'm watching the, uh, the, the Tom Brady doc, and Edelman's on there, and he says, yeah, Belichick calls and said, we're drafting you. We don't know what you're going to play yet, but we're drafting you. They didn't even draft – they didn't know – what they were gonna do with Edelman yet? He wasn't even, he wasn't even there to be wide receiver. He just was so athletic that they were like, yeah, let's draft this guy, move him around, and see what he can do. But no, they cannot. You know, the Nikhil Harry draft still pisses me off to this day. I still can close my eyes and remember exactly where I was at, praying for DK Metcalf, praying for AJ Brown, sitting there going, please. Please, 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 please. Debo was ready to be a Patriot. Debo was ecstatic to be in New England. And these guys go, we're taking the kill Harry, Arizona State. Which I understood being, you know, being a college football analyst. I seen the kill Harry's tape. The stuff he did at ASU was tremendously talented. Wasn't talented enough for me if I was in New England for an office and be like, that's the guy I want. Because you're watching two of these guys at Ole Miss duke it out to see which one of them is better still love each other at the same time and literally have the most fun whatsoever playing the position i don't understand how new england fumbled that draft at all like i literally all last season i spent deleting tweets saying getting to kill harry off the field five minutes <laughs> after i posted them <laughs> just to keep it professional like i was like dude like I got to get this off my chest real quick. Five minutes later, all right, it's going to come off the Twitter sphere. It, it can't be there too long. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so y'all about y'all... Metcalf and all them. We was doing the same shit, bro. You guys have Tyreek Hill, though. My, if, if New England had a guy like Tyreek Hill, I would like I would never say anything. Like I'd be like, ah, right, it's cool. Whatever. I've never <laughs> seen them draft a pure wide receiver one, though, whatsoever. So is rumors they were interested in Robbie Anderson. You 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 up or down on it? I'll take Robbie Anderson. I'll take Robbie Anderson. I want to be in the sweepstakes for Cooper as well because I really want a route runner. Cooper's gonna ask for a lot of money though. Like he's gonna ask for a lot of money after this contract. So we'll hey, see what he does. Send us JC Jackson. We'll send y'all Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle. And, and Cornell Powell, and y'all <laughs> in a in a fu- in a future conditional pick. We'll get yeah in the future. Too. We'll get y'all. Yeah. Hey, those conditional those, those conditional picks will kill you. Like teams that accept those conditional picks, you gotta worry because if the team does a horrible, you're you're ending up with a second round pick. And you're like, what is this? Like, why did I get this? <laughs> I don't know. Just I, I'm just trying to get J.C. Jackson out of y'all. Y'all, y'all don't appreciate him, so we'll bring him here. Yeah, J.C. Jackson is definitely gonna go somewhere. Um, that that one hurts as well. I really don't. Y'all drafted really... him, right? Yes. yes. Y'all drafted Stephon Gilmore, right? No. No, yeah, he can't from Baltimore. Baltimore. Uh, Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. Nah, nah. Yeah, Gilmore came from Buffalo, but uh, Patriots, whenever they do draft their corners. And they turn out to be studs. They don't keep them. Like after the rookie contracts, it's over. Belichick like, don't like, keep nobody, bag, man. Dog. Like that. That's one thing New England is good at drafting. Let me rephrase that. New England is very good at drafting defensive players because oh, okay. Okay. Belichick. Okay. Okay. Because Belichick is a deep. This is what people need to remember. 
defensive coaches and defensive minds are always going to draft the best defensive players they deem fit for their team. When it comes to offense, if you're a defensive coach, you're probably not going to do that well when it comes to skill players. You're probably going to want to have those guys in your ear. Now, I don't know just how well McDaniels has been in Belichick's ear when it comes to these um, offensive picks. Um, just because, you know, guys like Nikhil Harry, I don't understand where that came from, especially because I know McDaniels would have loved having a guy like Debo Samuel. But like I said, Belichick is one of those coaches that I know for a fact and I've come accustomed to. He's going to feel and grab whatever pick he feels is best for the Patriots. I'm going to make a prediction right now. Um, since Uh-oh. Jackson Daniels is is gone and he's like the Raiders head coach, now I'm going to make a prediction. I think Nick Saban is going to be in more of Belichick's ear because, you know, they're good friends. You know what I mean? They've mm-hmm. been on coaching staff together and all that. I think he's. Go- I think he might sign off on y'all getting Jameson Williams. I would hope so. <laughs> I, I, I think the Patriots probably so. get that wide receiver. I think it's going to happen. I've been doing my candlelight my circles every night. I've been hoping. And plus, <laughs> uh, maybe with the Bengals having success with Burrow having somebody from his college, maybe that'll start being a trend going forward. So I can see that, Chuck. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's going to be happy times for you this time, Alec. No, there's a go. It's not even just Burrow too. But, the, uh, Tua and um, Jalen Waddle. I mean, they've put together a, a nice duo as well. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, teams that are gonna match up wide receivers with quarterbacks. I know there's been rumors that the Niners want to go ahead and grab uh, Christian Watson because he was Trey Lance's uh, wide receiver one. So there's gonna be a lot of pairing. Like I said, I would love if New England would just get Mac Jones, an Alabama wide receiver, even any wide receiver. Like I said, I'll take any one of the guys. From Ohio State, I would be excited. I'd probably pass out if we got Drake London out of USC because <laughs> that's that's probably my draft crush right there, aside from a mod sauce Gardner. But like I said, if we can get a wide receiver one, uh, I'll forgive Belichick for the past five years of horrible drafting <laughs> offensively. Okay, before we get out of here, who was the one – who was your draft crush of all draft crushes that your team oh. drafted? And you said, oh, my God, that's my guy. I'll start. Uh, I'll say Eric Berry for 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 the Chiefs. When we drafted Eric Berry, it was – oh well, it's between Eric and, and Pat. But basically when we got Berry, I was very, very excited. And, and I was screaming when we got Pat. So who, who's your guy that you wanted on your team and he made it to your team? This is going to come as a surprise because I'm a smaller guy. You would think it's going to be a skill player. But as an OU fan, I was super happy that we got Trent Brown when we drafted him. Like that honestly made my heart very, very happy to see an OU guy. And then seeing Ramondre Stevenson also end up on the Patriots, like that honestly, any anytime I can get an OU guy in New England, that's going to make my heart happy. It's going to make me ecstatic. I'm going to enjoy that the most those are probably two of my favorite draft picks that new england's had in in recent years that I, that i've actually been like yes because there's a lot of times that we draft people and i have my hand on my forehead like what are we doing <laughs> but those are two, definitely two guys that i've been super glad that we've had in new england although brown isn't there anymore i'm glad that we still have Ramondre. it was still nice that we were able to have him. 
What about you, bud? He's nice. He's nice. He's very Eric nice. Berry gonna be tough, man, because I, I got the newspaper and everything when we drafted him. I was that was like a can't miss pick. So I, <laughs> I, I I can say Eric Berry. I would like that one. Yeah, I mean, we all in agreement. It's gonna be it's Eric Berry and Patrick Mahomes. We all in agreement there. I mean, plus Eric Berry, you know, I got a chance to chop it up with him a few times. Like <laughs> the first time was around um, Thanksgiving time. Like I just randomly ran to him and his dad at Price Chopper. You know, say what up, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> talked to him for a little bit, and then um, you know, took a picture and then just rode out. So that was pretty dope. But Kelsey and Justin Houston also because you know I'm a pro marijuana. So for them to <laughs> fail the they drug test, I thought they was first round pick. So I like that. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I, yeah, that oh. yeah, I Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Since Kevin brought this name up. Alec, who was the guy that broke your heart the most that you thought was going to be that guy and he just never panned out? He broke your heart. We we, we all going to agree, John Baldwin, as far as Chiefs fans, John Baldwin. Oh, my God. <laughs> so anybody that you thought was going to be the man that just – just never delivered, broke your heart, never fulfilled any dream you had. Nikhil? I thought Nikhil was going to be wide receiver one. I literally – look, at the way I thought about it, I was like, all right, cool. Tom Brady's got a big body vertical guy, finally can get over the top. Edelman in the middle. Gronk's got like two years left. We're going to get something going. And then Nikhil just happens to play with bricks on his hands. Like, whoa. <laughs> like – he drops the ball with nobody around him. Like the craziest thing is, is he's very good at creating separation. He can get himself open, but he can't catch the ball. Like that, oh. it pisses me off the most because he's the guy that I was like, all right, well, you know what? I'm in California, Pac-12. I've watched a lot of Nikhil anyway. I've seen the tape. I understand why we're drafting him this high. Let's see if he actually pans out first season was a little lackluster second season i was like all right it's a wrap like let's just wrap this up let's go ahead and make make sure you know the he gets his nice little incentives from his rookie contract and you know shake his hand at the end of this call it a day and we'll go after another one did he, did he ever make a workout video at about three in the morning jogging and sweating until <laughs> I failed for that shit, man. No, there, there, there's players, there's players that will genuinely no. Look at all right. You're talking to a Patriots fan. You're talking to the same guy. I watched Cam Newton put himself with Bane's voice. I was like, Whoa! I was like, we're going to the Super Bowl, man. By the fourth week, I was like, we ain't going to shit. We ain't going to nothing. <laughs> Like he had me, but he oh, truthfully man, had me. But he was like, they were sleeping on me. I'm woke. I was like, let's get to it. I, I I already downloaded the Cam Newton keyboard and everything. I was like, let's do it. <laughs> Go to do work, son. Man. By the sixth week, I was like, yep, we're getting the QB next year. <laughs> I was rooting for Cam too. I was rooting for him hard, man. I was but, too. I was ready to buy the yeah, jersey and everything till I till we got to week six. I said, all right. Let me go hold off on this jersey order right here. 
but right before we get right before we right before we let you go, Alec, um who's gonna be who's your top five impact rookies for this upcoming season? Like who's gonna be the guy that's gonna immediately uh be a pro bowler, if not borderline pro bowl caliber type player for you? Uh, so my top five impact impact rookies. Um, number one for sure, it's gonna be Nicobe Dean. I think he's a starting outside linebacker immediately on whatever team goes ahead and drafts him. He's a very high IQ linebacker. He was the leader of the entire Georgia defense. I feel like that right there speaks a lot of volumes to his character, considering all the different personalities and the different talents that were on um, the Georgia defense. I think Nicobe Dean is gonna be an immediate impact player. Wandell Robinson from Kentucky is gonna be an immediately special teams player i feel like putting him at kick return is he's very slippery and very speedy if you know he can be used in these rp rpo situations for rpo heavy teams you can get him in and play actions like i said i don't think he's going to be a wide receiver one wide receiver two right off the rip he does have wide receiver three wide receiver two upside his rookie year so i think he'll make an immediate impact roger mccreary who we've already talked about i think is going to be very, very impactful for whatever team gets him. He's a multi-weapon player just because he can go and play safety as well. He can go and play a little bit of linebacker in those nickel sets. He can play, like I said, on the in and the out. I think he's going to transfer very well his rookie year. He's very physical, and he welcomes a challenge. There there wasn't a single challenge um, at Auburn that he had where he was like, no, I don't want to go against him. He, he welcomes your wide receiver one, and he wants to follow him a majority of the game, which – Teams have to like, there's a lot of cornerbacks that like being on their own island, and McCreary's one of those cornerbacks. I like Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. I think he's probably the meanest lineman in this draft class, and that says a lot with this draft class because there's a lot of guys that have been given that mean streak, mean-spirited label. Um, I think if he can start at center, though, he'll be he'll be very, very impactful, as we've seen with, with Creed. He got to start at center his rookie year in All-Pro first season. Um, I think Trey McBride, the tight end from Colorado State, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people are are lackluster oh, with this tight yeah. end class, but I like this tight end class. Like Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina, uh, Weidemeyer from Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. I like what this tight end class has to bring. Mm-hmm. I think Trey McBride is the best um, catching tight end in this draft class. He creates great separation. He has excellent hands, and I think if he's used the way that the Steelers used Pat Fryermuth their rookie year, I think he can have an immediate impact as well. Um, and I also like, let's see, there's one more. I like Verone McKinley the third as well. I think if he gets into the right fit, I think he can be an immediate impact as well, not only on defense but on special teams as well, just because he's one of those guys that just has a knack for finding the football, being around, and making a tackle on any play he's involved in. So I really like what those guys bring to the table um, th- their rookie season. I like I like that list from you, man. Um, I want to talk to you about Wandale real quick because I know a Chiefs fan um, from Twitter. He was pounding the drum for Wandale. He's been talking about Wandale all the time, man. And I'm like, look, we already got a a, a short wide receiver in Tyreek Hill that's pretty much basically a weapon on our team. Yeah. But you mentioned how Wandale can be a guy that that will fit in a system that does the RPOs and stuff, and we do we do be incorporating the RPO. Quite a bit, but Wandell's not gonna come here though. But but I do like that list from you though, man. Um, thank you, thank you. The, but you mentioned that Roger McCreary being 
being a top um, impact player for you, man, it's like, dog, I kind of hope people sleep on him now. I kind of hope he's there at number 30 now. <laughs> That's how I'm feeling about Roger McCreary. So. That's a great that's a great list from you, man. Um, but with that being said, man, we appreciate you having have you on our show tonight, man. Uh thanks for coming on and chopping up with us about the scout combine, future prospects and everything, man. And we just look forward to seeing what these teams are gonna do in this upcoming draft. So Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me, as always, man. Yeah, we're gonna check back in with you on the draft, man. See you disappointed who who made oh, yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. For sure, man. Appreciate you coming on, man. And let it, and let everybody know uh, where where they can find you at. Yeah, make sure you guys follow me, man, on Twitter um, at the app available right here at Alec Elijah Twelve. Um, that's pretty much where I'll be dropping everything. YouTube as well, Alec Elijah A L E C E L I J A H. Um, pretty much where all my stuff's gonna be coming out. I got a p- bunch of top ten lists coming out. Some stuff on SportsTalk23.com coming out as well. Not only on the NFL but on the NBA side as well with that draft coming up. So. Just a bunch of stuff coming out. Um, I got a lot of stuff. So make sure you stay updated with me on Twitter. Probably the best platform to follow me and get at me on. Sure. So, that's going to include another episode. That's going to include another episode of Kingdom Cast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, share all your social media platforms. Until the next episode, we out of here, y'all. Peace. Bye, kids. <laughs> <laughs> They go boogie.